Hey, Nonplus listeners, before we jump into the nonsense, just in case you missed the news, Nonplus is now a part of Mischief Media. It's the podcast network from Mischief Management, the fan event company behind amazing events like LeakyCon and BroadwayCon that I've been working for years. It's a ton of fun, and I'm really excited to join. Yeah, they've got amazing shows covering everything from like business and wellness. Make New Mistakes and Healthy Geek Academy. Yep, uh, to Harry Potter and horror movies. Pottercast and Jump Scare, of course. And they do this with the same enthusiasm, passion, and fun that we know our community has. And really, the, I mean, like the, that's why it's a good fit. We bring that exact same stuff to, to snarking on Disney. 100%. So just search Mischief Media in your podcast app of choice or head over to mischiefmedia.com to check out more. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of Nonplussed. That over there is Clancy. And that over there is Josh. And we are Nonplussed. Hi, honey. Hello. Feels a little bit different. It is a bit different. We're on this new network. It's very exciting. It is. I love that we get to play around with our fans a bit in this sort of podcasty space. Yep. You excited? I am excited. What are you most excited about? I am most excited to not have to worry about making sure this gets posted at the exact right time every two weeks. It's nice to have someone else holding us accountable for things for sure. For sure. I love the new website. Yes. It's nonplus.mischiefmedia.com. Yeah. We've got some new art. Yeah. Um, some refreshing art, some refreshing art, some jazzed up art. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, we also have some merch and stuff like that. That's going to be in our yes, we're, store now. I mean, spoiler alert. We're, we're <laughs> starting to work with the mischief media crew on merch and, it's just these are the things that we get to bring to listeners now and really sort of like find ways to grow and and stretch our legs. And I'm just I'm just super excited. Me too. It's going to be really great. I'm very excited for this. I just hope it opens up a few more listeners. Hey, friends, tell your friends. <laughs> Subscribe if you haven't yet. Yeah. Leave a review. Um, yeah. I mean, it's great that we've jo- we're joining a network now, but those reviews on different podcast apps, especially in iTunes, of course, mm-hmm. really help us. So make sure you're doing that. But um, definitely. Yeah. Um. So. Are you ready to dive in? What movie are we doing this week, Clancy? This week, we are doing the 1984 hit splash. <laughs> the way you drag it out. <laughs> I don't know why you did it that way. I don't know either. Um, so Yeah, we did uh, the 1984 Ron Howard hit splash starring Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Uh, it, it's a meaty 111 minutes. It is. It's a long movie. It is a little too long. Truly. It's a little too long. I think it loses. We can get into it. I think it loses some of the funny because it drags a lot of the serious stuff out a bit too much. It kind of does. Yeah. It has, it has some, some pacing weirdness. Yeah. But you know, yeah, but that's not the worst of its faults. No, it's PG. It's rated PG. Um, it's based on an original story by uh producer brian grazer right like it would yeah yeah him and bruce j friedman um two different others they they also wrote parenthood city slickers and a league of their own yeah i've enjoyed all three of those movies and uh a league of their own is on a constant rotation in this house yep it's directed by ron howard um music by lee holdridge he did the music for the beast master <laughs> have you ever seen that <laughs> i probably it's, have but i don't remember it's it. 
it's a confusion of many things, Perfect. including sexuality. But um, Mr. Mom and Big Business. Yeah, Big um, Business is also on Disney Plus. Yeah, so that might happen at some point. Oh, it's gonna have to because it has Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. Yes, so for sure. Anyway, the synopsis: A young man is reunited with a mermaid who saved him from drowning as a boy. He falls in love with her, not knowing who or what she is. It's an interesting one that we'll get into. There were no extras on this one, uh, except for like a clip of the first scene from the movie. I mean, that was pretty much it in terms of, I don't know, advisories from Disney. The, this one contains tobacco depictions, which is okay. Hilarious. Back to the thing (laughs) about the rating. Plus this little note here about contains tobacco descriptions and coupled with, as you start the movie, it states this film has been edited from its original version. It has been edited for content. Yeah. This is essentially the public cable cut of splash. Yeah, pretty much. And I, that's why I want to address it at the top because I kept making the note throughout. Like yeah. you, you, you had to cover up this, but you're allowing this. I mean, this movie was rated PG. It was the first film uh, that was released under the touchstone umbrella. Yep. Disney wanted to be able to produce films that it could geared towards like teens and older audiences. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and wanted to, and this was literally the flagship film for that brand. Okay. Here's the thing. If you go and rent this, can you still rent things? You probably can't get splash from Redbox. but if you got the DVD option on Netflix and you got splash, you see even the iTunes store, or even the be, iTunes yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm going so analog with it. Even the <laughs> iTunes store analog. These are discs, whatever you would see the unedited version. You would see Daryl Hannah's butt a couple times. Cause she's a fish lady. You know, um, you'd see a little bit of God help us boobs. Here we are again. Yeah. Um, you would see like just some things were edited and none of it's like gratuitous. It's not sexually explicit. No, exa- sure. yes. That's what I'm trying to say. It's yeah. not sexually explicit but that there are hard edits that were made to this film that I guess sort of bring it to a contemporary PG. Yeah. But they seem nonsense. As you said, in comparison to some of the stuff that they left in, let's talk about the cast. Let's yes. Let's talk about the cast. Tom Hanks stars in this one. He, he is, he plays Alan Bauer. So this was his second feature film. We don't really have to tell you who, who Tom Hanks is. And he was in a league of their own, which is another movie that we watch yes. a lot. Apollo 13, Forrest Gump. He's in toy story. Like he's, he is toy story. Yeah. He's Woody in toy story. Sleepless, sleepless in Seattle. I almost read that as sheepless in Seattle, which sheepless is in Seattle. I think the adult version of that film. Um, <laughs> you got mail. I've seen so many times and I love that movie. I mean, Meg Ryan. Ugh, I yes. dated a guy in college who felt the exact same way and would quote it out of nowhere and oh, just no. expect everyone to know that he was quoting. You've got mail. Uh, it's a good movie. It's not a Disney plus. We're not going to talk about it. Daryl Hannah. She plays Madison. She was in blade runner before this. And then Roxanne, Rad. which is like the, it was um Steve Martin doing Cyrano de Bergerac basically. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. um, she was also in wall street. She's Anel in steel Magnolias. Oh, that's right. Which is uh yet another film that's on a constant rotation in this house. She was in grumpy old men. And the sequel, Little Rascals, Walk to Remember, and then, of course, in Kill Bill. She was, um, I forget the character's name, but she's the one with the eye patch and the... Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. John Candy, uh, he plays Freddie Bauer in this. Yes, he plays the brother who's kind of a shitbag. I love John Candy. I loved Same. John Candy as a kid, and he could do serious really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that he was either written or directed poorly. This could have been a better character from him. 
you know, he was in stripes. Cool runnings. I love to cool runnings is the best of funny and serious John Candy. That sure. movie is so it's got damn a lot of levels. hilarious and it's on yeah. Disney plus too, right? Oh, I, I think it is cool. Running is on Disney plus. Then yes. that's another one that we will potentially talk about in the future. He's amazing. Uh, a young Eugene Levy. Uh, he plays Dr. Walter Conbluth um, was in best in show. He was also in every American pie, even all the, the really direct video ones like yep. he has been cashing in on that since. Why not? Um, yeah, for sure. He was also in Finding Dory, uh, which I didn't realize that oh, yeah. he was. Um, He's so, her dad, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shit's Creek, of Shit's course. Creek, yeah, which, which we, we still need to watch. We've watched a couple of episodes. We definitely need to get into it. Ooh. But, you know, we've got all these Disney movies to watch. Right? Give us a break. Dottie Goodman plays Dodie. Dodie. Sir, her name <clears throat> is Dodie Goodman as Mrs. Stimler. And you know her as the principal's dotty little sidekick Blanche from Greece and Greece too. Yeah. I love her in those films and I love her in this. I, when I become an old woman who gives no fucks about anything in this world, mm-hmm. I am going to be Mrs. Stilmer. So she was also in the 1991 hit cool as ice, which can you guess what that's about? Mm, no. It's a movie with starring Vanilla Ice. <gasps> oh. So she was in that. <laughs> oh, Dodie. <laughs> little downhill a oh, bit, but hey. Dodie. Bless her. All right. Do you want to get into... Let's get into it. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. I love a movie that starts with a, a shouted count in Spanish. Like, I feel like I'm in for a ride. I feel like the rest of this film doesn't deliver on the excitement that we yeah. get from starting off with Wooly Bully. It gets you right into it and you're hyped for this movie. And it really is just this cover of Wooly Bully, which is a, a nonsense song about it, a monster and a dance. It is. And I will say the titles in this are very, very fun. They're very, uh, uh, again, they wavy s- and like, they sell us on something. I don't think the movie delivers on. And in this case, it's a, a higher degree of fantasy. For more sure. amped up magical realism. We'll get more to that later. Yeah. Um, so we are whisked into a sepia world. So we start the we start on a shot of a of like a fairy. Um, there's a really super pervy boy that is throwing change on the ground in order to look up women's skirts. I it, cannot. Ugh. I'll get into this later. There is a moment that they could have paid off some of this. That yeah. they skipped right over. But yeah, I just can't. Yeah, it's a little kid, a little seven or eight year old kid. Well, he did it again later in the movie. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know. Considering some of the things that they've blurred out, that they're opening this film with a little boy trying to do upskirts. Yeah. And then domestic abuse. Yeah, immediately. Talk to your son, hits him in the head, and then and then listen to that was the listen to your right. father. And and Ugh. I'm sitting here and just thinking, God, it's still negative attention. It's what he wanted to begin with. And the whole problem is that his father won't speak to him. And then we cut to another little boy uh, who is young. Alan, he, he he's the young who is just looking into the water, yes. contemplating suicide and then jumps into the water. <laughs> You're reading into it. You don't know he's contemplating. Suicide? Well, if his, if his parents were that abusive to him, I can't even imagine oh what was happening. Oh, my God. There. So Clancy, I just took it as like he was hypnotized by the water. He jumped Honey. into the water. 
Yeah, but like I could like there's a fantasy element I think that is implied here that it begins the connection of him with the mermaid. And their failure is that it apparently comes off as if this child is contemplating suicide to escape his abusive family. That's what I got because Jesus you don't see Christ. you don't see the girl or the mermaid in the water. All you do is just see him. I think that's looking b- really sad and sepia, looking at though. the water. I, I, I don't think so. No, I, no, because I've watched I watched it in the trailer and then I watched it again and I was looking for it. And she wasn't there. So he literally just jumped into the water. Couldn't swim. This boy needed help and no one was there to give it to him. Oh, honey. So he jumps in the water and he there. He's kind of like, uh, he's not even really struggling underneath the water. Um, he just sort of falls in. Just think, Oh my God, you're so right. He's just sinking. And then he sees, a girl yep. with a very distinct necklace and she's kind of giggly. And, and then all of a sudden someone jumps in to grab him and it, the framing of this shot didn't, it, it lost me on a little bit of the danger. And then when they cut back, I feel like I saw a point of long beach that I recognized. Sure. And then I just lost <laughs> it because I checked part of these scenes were filmed in California. Oh, red in okay. LA. Yeah, that makes sense. It's weird. Y'all. I, I didn't, I, when I first moved to California, I didn't really realize how much of that state is a film set. So he gets saved and then they flash forward to New York 20 years later, but they don't caption it that way. No, it says New York city this morning. They felt that this movie was going to be timeless. I guess so. (laughs) Young Tom Hanks is handsome. Young Tom Hanks. Bear with me. Young Tom Hanks is like Darren Chris's geekier older brother. Oh, for sure. I can see that. Yeah. Uh huh. But what's funny is yep. the first present day line of this film is spoken by Ron Howard's dad. We're, we're introduced to Alan as an adult working at a, well, he's the, no, he's a produce wholesaler, produce wholesaler. He goes right. to farmers to buy their stuff and then he sells their stuff to retailers. Sure. But he's, it, this scene is called grown up problems. So it's like, he's an adult now. Right. And um, we're just seeing all of that. He's successful. And, he's running a business. Yeah. This man is shouting at him, but the cherries are slimy apparently. And then <laughs> they won those cherries. He, in a well, poker, he's like, like, Oh, your brother said we could do this. You know, I, he lost a bet and, and the bet was he had to buy these shitty cherries from me. And then cut to John Candy pulling up in a T-bird and running into some crates and getting out of his car going, who put those crates there? I'm fine. I'm not, not that anybody asked. So the little fat kid who was doing upskirts is John Candy. Now yes. it's just like, I don't like John Candy as an asshole because he, he does it so well. I felt, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, either I didn't believe it or I didn't like it. I can't tell which, but he pulls up screaming about how they, printed his story in penthouse in penthouse in penthouse magazine and is handing out penthouse magazines penthouse magazines around yeah again pg movie for children (laughs) that's it we meet mrs stimler yes who is an absolute treasure in this movie he comes in mrs stimler are there any messages yes and then there's a beat well, can I have them? Oh, right. And then come to find out that she had just been struck by lightning. <laughs> and it's that line and concept only exists so that she can be a little out there and goofy and yeah. goofy. Like there's no, doesn't other, serve the story in any, any sense. other way whatsoever. And it just seems ridiculous. <laughs> he gets a, uh, he gets a call on the phone and this is for a woman that we never see in no. this movie. Veronica. 
something. Vanessa? Like, yeah. Samantha? He's talking on a phone to this, I, I would assume, girlfriend. I mean, I guess this is just establishing his commitment issues. He it's can't a breakup say call. It. The inciting yeah. incident of this film is a breakup call. And it. I can say this. I can say this. My feelings about this is kind of summarized in my feelings about the line where Tom Allen says she left because I didn't love her. And John Candy goes, bitch. Yeah. Like, no, relationships are never just one person's fault. What happens in them is never just one person's fault. I don't like this sort of person they're setting either of these people up to be. No, not at all. And I think this is where I begin to feel feel like, oh, this movie is not going to hold up. Um, So so from this, then we cut to the wedding the next day. Yes. Um, Where Tom, where Alan is an usher for his employee. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and Freddie is also there. Not sure what he's doing there other than throwing change on the ground to look up women's oh, skirts again. Well, the implication is, is that they're partners in this business and their, their father's produce wholesale business. So presumably Freddie would have gotten an invite if Alan got an invite for sure. So that explains that bit does not explain why this grown ass man is still throwing change on the ground and crowds of people in order to look up women's very long 1980s like formal he had skirts. To, get to the ground. And this is not a small, like he's, this is a maneuver for him. Like, he's a big guy. He's, yeah. my, he's my size. He's a big guy. Yeah. And uh, Ellen pulls him out of that because he sees it. And it, it, again, no consequence for this. Like, no. Other than just, oh, no. But, yeah. Mm. And then we get this sitcom kind of bit of where Alan's an usher and all of the guests know him and are asking about his girlfriend who he just broke yeah. up with. And he's lying, saying that she's got the flu. It's very. It's a very sitcommy moment. They don't lean enough into the funny for the rest. They don't because they've got they've got bits like this throughout. And if they had gone a little bit more whimsical with the whole film, they all would have worked for sure. Now, which is not to say, and we'll get to it, that this was a fl- a failure. I just think it would have held up better for sure if they'd leaned into that a bit. Yep. But we this is where we get uh, Clint Howard's cameo. <laughs> yep. His, Ron Howard's brother. He always appears in. He was in the Grinch movie as mm-hmm. one of the as the mayor's like sidekick or whatever. Um, but he's a guest. He's the guest that Tom Hanks yells at. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's all for the best, huh? Hey, Alan. She left me. She moved out. My life's a shambles, okay? That's the news. You want the weather? Anywhere but the first three rows. So the wedding's rough. They get to the reception. Apparently that's bad. Then they're at a bar commiserating while drunk. This isn't like we see them at the bar and then then they get drunk. No, he, Tom is already... He is laying on the bar with his face in a bowl of pretzels. John Candy says to him, a sober person would have reached for the pretzels. And I just put tough, but fair. Fair enough. He's making kind of an ass of himself, like trying to talk to, I don't know. He's trying to fake big dick energy as a concept pays off in the third act of this film. Uh, If you haven't seen it, just hang on. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, He's essentially waving money around or, or the concept of this. It's a very eighties troopy thing. Like, Hey, that guy, there's the leisure suit. Larry video game franchise is sort of built off of this trope, right? Yep. Like he's that kind of guy in there, that kind of women. And it feels gross. This, yeah. The, and I, it all, it feels like an eighties sitcom. It feels like I'm watching an eighties sitcom for an hour and yeah. a half. And it's so eighties that his big idea is like, we're going to hop on a plane to Rio because oh, they Rio. have a timeshare. <laughs> like I feel like those two words are in a, a short list vocabulary of how to make a, they, how to write an asshole in the eighties. What if they were trying to sell him a timeshare and it was all a big trap? 
I, I prefer that read. 100. percent I love this scene that much better. I, the yes, that's what it yes. Is. I hope they are trying to grift him out of every damn dime, and he deserves it. Another weird thing that you wouldn't see in how how you know this movie doesn't hold up when Tom Hanks finally gets a cab and it pulls up. There's a cigarette ad on top. Yeah, like blatant, just right there, and we see it on top of cabs throughout the film. Yeah, the same ad. Um, and uh, yeah, the ca- so he he hops in the car. He's very drunk. He's decided that he's going to go to Cape Cod um, and hops in the taxi cab. And it's just like, where to Cape Cod? And his face just runs into the plexiglass. And the guy's like, do you have money? Well, no, he's like, don't break the glass. Oh, yeah. You'll have to pay for that or whatever. And then Cape Cod is about 300 miles. Do you got cash? And he like pulls out a lot of money. It's all it's a sitcom bit. It is. And then just takes off and. Uh, Alan flies into the backseat. It's physical comedy in a cab and it doesn't work. It's this film does not succeed with this bit. No, because they didn't lean into it all the way. Exactly. Like, it's either, either you do it or you don't precisely. Yeah. We get to Cape Cod and we yep. see Eugene Levy looking maybe 10 years younger than he does now. Yep. The notable difference is the volume in that hair. Goodness. Oh, yeah. He's got that. He's got big eighties hair and I love it. And uh, so Eugene Levy is I, essentially, I think we kind of are, are to infer that he's a scientist here. He's unloading like these crates. Into, he's an academic of some sort. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's unloading these crates into onto the beach. He's got two assistants with them that are essentially bumbling. I mean, this is another sitcom bit where yes, there's a brains of the operation and he's got a couple of goons. Yeah. And they just can't seem to get boxes the right side up. Tom Hanks approaches still in his like morning suit from the wedding. Yes. Eugene Levy gets his hackles up and thinks he's some sort of like spy or like somebody from the office trying to like an adversarial researcher, like a, an opponent of some sort, another mad scientist. (laughs) And the reason that he's so sure about this is because Tom Hanks is in a tux. (laughs) Picture this. If this Tom Hanks were to approach me on the beach, kind of wet, you can tell visibly and by smell that he's hung over. Yeah, no, I'm not about that at all. No, yeah. I got dropped off on the wrong end of the beach. Uh, you keep yeah, walking, you <laughs> keep walking till you find the right side. Cause I ain't here for you. <laughs> One of the goons ends up giving him a, a directions to town or whatever to someone who runs a boat to the Island. Right. Um, and that's someone again, that someone's name is Mr. Fat Jack, Mr. Fat Jack. And I don't know if there is, is this reads the trope I'm getting here is redneck, right? Sure. I don't know if that exists as a concept in new England. A yes. Yeah. And B he, as he's taking him across on this motorboat and a tiny motorboat, Alan's freaking out because he doesn't know how to swim. And he's just like, (laughs) and starts rocking the boat. I, I hate when people do that. Anyways, he takes a hammer to tr- like the, the boat essentially stalls. Mr. Fat Jack takes a hammer and like tries to start it back up. Can it get started? And then it is like, well, I'm going to swim back to shore and I'll go get another boat. Ellen is then like, wait, we're like miles out. And he's like, yeah, I'll swim. It's fine. Hops out of the boat. Is that a and thing? Swims do away. people in Cape Cod go, oh, I'll just, it's just a couple mile swim. I think that's the point is that it's made to seem funny. They don't do enough of it. No. He jumps out of the boat, leaves, leaves Alan there. Alan's a little bit bewildered. Alan decides that he's going to try to start the boat himself. He gets it started and then takes, it takes out from underneath him. Yeah. And takes off and then he's in the water and, uh, and then lo and behold, he gets saved by something. Well, saved from what? 
from drowning. But why was that a risk? Because he can't swim. Because he lost control of the boat. Yeah. In a very sitcomy moment and it hit him in the head. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Like I wrote down that it's almost like a steamroller, like the steamroller from Austin Powers. Like, yeah. It's that level of like he could have gotten out of he, the way. And he was just like, oh, bother or something <laughs> like some line like that. And yes, uh, someone just as it happened 20 years before pulls him from the water and leaves him on the beach and leaves him on the beach. Fun fact about this beach. It's now uh, it was filmed it's somewhere in the Bahamas. But the beach is now called Castaway Key, and it's the private beach for Disney Cruise Lines. That's delightful. Yep. So they can have splash tours. Alan wakes up on the beach, sees a woman in in the in, in like the weeds uh, across the way. Yes. She then like ducks beneath, and then like goes. I thought she was like dipping out into the water, like it was just yeah. Like a I little, thought she was leaving. Like it was a little. It was just a little like oh. He saw me. Oh no. Yeah. I thought she was running away and no. then cut to her kind of running towards him. Buck ass naked with <laughs> just right towards Alan. They meet and she immediately just kisses him. Yeah. And, and again, this is where I go. This doesn't hold up. Like already I have a problem. Yeah. This movie does not pass the Bechdel test for example. <laughs> she doesn't say two words to another woman. Does she not? No. Oh my God, she does. She never addresses another woman at all. Is there another woman in any scenes with her? I mean, other than that's that's like that has a speaking line. I'm wrong. It barely passes the scene in Bloomingdale's. No, because she's not even talking back. No. So they don't speak to each other. So it the, the doesn't pass that- the Bechdel test. Oh my God. But up, up, but up, yeah. So they they're making out on the beach, and then she goes to run out into the water. Um, and this is the one controversial shot. Yes, as she's running back to the beach in the original film, you see her butt, which is fine. Yeah, it's Again, just it's the butt. Not, it's not. It's not sexually explicit. No, it's not. It's just. It's okay. She's naked. There's the butt. Right. And this might be a contemporary feel about it because maybe in the 80s it was a little bit salacious because, again, this is the first, quote, adult film on Touchstone Pictures. For sure. But it looks like circa 1992 CGI hair. They paused the frame. (laughs) They selected it. They clone stamped. And then they just went beep, 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 beep. And then they moved that into a video editor and then animated those lines. It it looks like she has a furry butt and it's unsettling that much hair has has us has even this wig has weight to it and you want to know what's really funny about this your eye is going to be drawn to the butt to the irregularity right then you see oh that looks odd and it just it doesn't work at all like it looks like they digitally added lower back hair yeah not hair over her lower back Right. I mean, sure. They maybe did this really fast or whatever. And this is what I mean when I say it's like the, the, the public cable cut, the public cable edit. And I wonder if maybe that's the case. I'm absolutely certain that this edit already existed for for like, if it ran on ABC family or TBS or whatever throughout the eighties and nineties, ABC family wasn't a thing then, but on those channels, you would have had an edit like this that had kind of like botched jobs and recropped frames. Yeah. Um, Also real quick, just to kind of, throw back a little bit when when uh, uh alan was floundering in the water his wallet dropped out oh yeah, um, yeah. that's his plot point yeah and uh so when she runs back into the water she dives into the water alan who can't swim uh is just yelling at her like you know come back who are you whatever and then there's a moment where this movie could become a movie about a woman scamming a shithead out of some <laughs> money 
And it's the moment where she grabs this wallet and looks at his license and goes, I have an idea. She swims into a pirate ship, which isn't in the original cut. The The exterior isn't right. The original cut just has her swimming into the ship and it's a, it's a, uh, it's a shot. shot. Yeah. It's a shot of her coming towards the camera. So you do see her, uh, biddies. You get some Um, top boob. Yeah. You get some top original shot. Uh, so I think that's why they were, they made a boat. (laughs) Every episode. I don't understand. So she, she swims into, into this like sunken ship. Um, she, pulls some maps off of the wall that have a map of New York. Apparently some of these shots look like they inspired shots from little mermaid. Yeah, a little bit. And she opens it up and she, can she read? How does she know what his address is or That's where a to great go? Point, Cause she, we find out real soon that she can't speak English. I guess she must have some understanding of written English. So we cut back to, uh, the market wholesale, um, wholesaler, the produce wholesaler, the, pro, the produce wholesale. Tom or Alan is coming back in and is just kind of beside himself a little bit that like this has happened to him all of a sudden. Yes. And the, the sort of structure here is that he is coming back to quote the real world mm-hmm. having been in a bit of a fantasy and it's juxtaposed to her coming out of the water onto Ellis Island. Once again, buck ass naked. And they, it looks like they use the smudge tool over her B crack when she's making that. Oh my gosh. We'll yeah. jump across. So they pull the crop in. We actually looked at this article. We'll link it in the show notes, the sort of side by side comparison. Yeah. It's just, it looks like they couldn't quite get it out with editing. And so they had to use the smudge tool to just erase the fact that she has a B crack. Yeah. They did some, they did some shenanigans to make that work, which again, like it's a, butt, right? I, I just don't, I don't, you can, she naked. On, she yeah. ain't gotten the clothes on. That's, at least she doesn't have starfish on her boobs. That's true. I mean, that's true. Is it Dodie or Dottie? Dodie. That's pronounced Dodie. My Dodie. mom's hairdresser for 40 years was named Dodie and it was spelled like that. Got it. So he runs into Dodie who is wearing her bra outside of her blouse. This is what I mean when I say that when I become a, a, an older person who doesn't give a shit, I will absolutely wear my undergarments on the outside of my clothes and <laughs> dare people to say a damn thing about it. Yeah. She stares him down. Like she knows exactly what she did and he doesn't blink. She won that fight. She, she won that interaction and she loves that. She did. She was so proud of herself. hundred percent. I, I wrote down and I, and I should have maybe put a little bit more information, but I wrote down the, the word bocce balls. Okay. So as she's approaching this tour, Yes, and this there's is a, back on Ellis Parks, Island. Yes, yes. Where it's yeah on Ellis Island. Well, you, we we see her smudged booty. There's a tour guy. There's a tour happening, and the tour guide is you know New York City Parks, whatever that department is. Yeah, and it's not enough that he would just be wearing a uniform and giving this tour on Long I or on Ellis Island. Yeah, he sounds like they called Central Casting and said we need a park ranger, and he needs to be quote from New York. And you got the guy who's given his tour like the it's the t- she used to tower over the skylight like it's the whole yeah. sort of like New York Italian thing. But he also it's a script so, that he's just repeating over and over and over and so. that changes based on what he's say- seeing. So he's like blotchy balls like it's again. <laughs> yes. It's like a sitcom <laughs> moment. Welcome to the Statue of Liberty. The statue is a gift from French citizens and has come to symbolize hope for naked women everywhere. Bocce balls! Hey, 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 come on, hey, don't be doing that! 
all of these people start to mob this naked woman, which is just so what weird. What screams? I'm yeah. just like, have you never seen boobs before? Why? Uh, but also, like, why are all these people ah, clamoring? Geez. It's just like, ugh. Anyways, um, and then like a security or police officer comes up and and then like grabs her and is like, this ain't California. Right. Everybody, everybody in California is naked. I um, mean, look, <laughs> you only have to go to Venice Beach once and you've seen everything you're ever going to see at Venice Beach. Um, <laughs> she ends up getting uh, detained by the police. Um they find the wallet. They call the number or they find his number from the, or Alan's number from the wallet. Uh, he realizing that I guess it's her because she said it was a naked woman. So obviously it, there can only be one naked woman. It can There's be. only one. I mean, well, maybe to be fair, there would have only been one blonde statuesque nude woman rising from the water that week. So he shows up. Um, they, they reunite and they just start making out immediately and this is again this pushes me so much further back because are you are you telling me it wasn't about a connection it wasn't about some sort of magic she's literally just this voiceless woman is just lusting for him yeah and there to be clear here i think that she she remembers him from the water from when, when he Absolutely. was sitting as a boy and so and i think the implication is that she's been maybe watching him or aware of him but i would have liked even to sell that concept yeah. a bit more. You remember that episode of Futurama where we learn about Leela's parents and towards the end, you see that they were always checking on her through like the toilet or yeah. the sink, like mm-hmm. something that, that dragged that trope into that area about this girl just being fascinated. Or like she had like hell if in the, in the, the ship, if she had like a drawing or something on the wall of him that she would look to, like maybe that would, that would help bridge this gap a bit. It's still fetishizing the other. And in this case, the, that is like, it's very little mermaid. It would still be very little mermaid and problematic for those reasons. Yep. But it would not have been this awful as awful as gorgeous naked woman who cannot speak just wants to jump on your D. Yeah. Cause she is horny AF. Like, they they get into the elevator going into into his apartment. They show it going up, and yeah. I assume that we think that he lives on the top floor, and then suddenly it stops abruptly at in three. Be, in between two floors. Yeah, and then... And the implication is, because this is like, wait, what happened? I was like, I think... Does he live on the third floor? Is this important that I we know I think they're this? meant to be having sex in the elevator, and then later you find out, I forget when this happens, but he's like, what about, what do you mean? What about the car? What about the elevator? What about the top of the fridge? The what? <laughs> Not the top of the washing machine, not no. the top of the kitchen counter, specifically on top of the fridge. Yeah. And so then we cut to the, I would assume like later in the day, right? Cause like, this is all in the morning when this happens. Yes. Well, yes. Cause she stays overnight because then the next day he's getting up to go to work and he bring, he's like, he brings out every, he's, he's made, he's made everything in his kitchen. He's for this it's, woman. You, in Parks and Rec, it's Ron Swanson dressing like Tiger Woods. Yes. He's doing that thing like, but, but, but he's singing something. I can't remember what. Zippity doo isn't it? Of course it is. <laughs> and he, you know, brings her food and she's still not talking. How, nope. how many times have they boned at this point and she's still not talking and he's okay. Well, I guess I better feed her. Bye. I'll be back. And then she's just watching TV and there's a commercial on and it's, all this commercial is, is Ann Klein. Bloomingdale's. 
Anne Klein. Bloomingdale's, the Anne Klein collection, only at Bloomingdale's. And that's the commercial? And and that's the first word she learns is Bloomingdale's. Because she goes downstairs uh, to uh, see the, the world, door, the doorman, and was like, uh, where can I take you? Bloomingdale's. Okay. Hails the cab, tells the cab to take her to Bloomingdale's. And then that's how she gets there. Like, I just, and this doorman is problematic. I, I felt bad at first that this character just had doorman on his chest. Oh, did he? Again, I don't know. Cause I didn't live in New York in the eighties, but I don't know if your building's doorman just says doorman or if it would have, I don't know their fucking name. Pro- <laughs> I was feeling bad for the treatment of this doorman until I wasn't. And we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But yeah, he sends her to Bloomingdale's and look, don't get me wrong. I love an eighties shopping montage. Yes. And this I was- grew up on eighties shopping montages. Pretty woman. Come on. Yep. So she, she is wearing a suit that doesn't fit at all. She walks into Bloomingdale's. Oh, it's his clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She walks into Bloomingdale's and this is when we see the really the only other woman to interact with her. She insults her the whole damn time. For sure. Yeah, she proceeds to I, I would assume rack Alan's credit card all the way up. Right. And she and, bought so many And you things. know what? She, she it's Bloomies, it's the 80s. She's probably working on commission. Hard sell girl all the way. But none of this is any way to treat a customer. Darling. Darling, that outfit, it's to die from. And what happened? You saw any haul a hundred times? That look is over. You want to try that on? Who knows? Maybe it's you. It isn't me. I couldn't get one leg in there. My daughter, on the other hand, is lucky. She's anorexic. What? Right. This is what movies were like at that point. Anyway. So she keeps wandering through Bloomingdale's. She finishes. She's got the the ladies clothing and stuff. Right. And then she goes, and you know, before you leave, maybe you want to go check out ladies intimates. Oh yeah. Because a pretty girl like you shouldn't, shouldn't be wearing boxer shorts. A pretty girl like her can wear whatever she wants. This is true. Oh my God. But yeah, she ends up in the electronics department. She, she starts watching TV. And then what is she watching? Was it that exercise video with, um, it was sweating to the oldies. It was sweating to the oldies with, uh, what's his name? Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. Yeah. This movie is so eighties. It is. We, we then cut back to, uh, Alan coming home, realizing that she's not home, goes down to the doorman and is like, Hey, I need to find a woman. He's like $200. Oh my God. Yeah. Did doorman in New York in the eighties just know who, how, and how much he, when it came to sex workers? Yeah. The trade. He knows all about I the ge- trade. I guess. The, this is a concept that, again, feels not just dated, but very, very specific sort of like 80s New York comedy. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 no. The 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 other one, they, they clear it up. And he's like, oh, yeah, to Bloomingdale's. That's where that's where she went. And so he 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 runs off to Bloomingdale's um, and is wandering through Bloomingdale's and then finds her in the electronics department. And it is six hours later. <laughs> Yeah, apparently she's been standing in front of Richard Simmons dancing, sweating to the oldies for six hours. Yeah. And this is, I will say, I did notice at this point because one of these, um, one of these salespeople is a black guy. And uh, this is when I noticed that it's a, re- it's still the, it's a comedy in the eighties. It's a very white movie, but they at least did the extra work to make it look plausible that it's New York. There are featured extras who are people of color in this film. Yeah. And I noticed it. And I liked it a little bit more for that, but it didn't give it many points back at all. No, not really. Not that we have a point system. Alan finds her. 
She's watching an exercise video still. He says we need to go. And then she starts speaking English. She's learned English from watching these TVs. Yeah. Which, okay, there's something about how I'm receiving this information, direction, writing, acting. I don't know. Yeah. That is not getting that across as a, as a mystical thing to me. And then he asks her her name. And then she lets out this dolphin noise and all of the TVs shatter. What's your name? It's hard to say in English. Well, just say in your language. All right. My name is... Hey, how about those Knicks? Yeah, uh. <laughs> it's a it's a two hour sitcom is what it is and i am i'm already exhausted at this point yeah so they leave bloomies they're out on the town i love this teal knit moment that she's taking yeah it's great right now i don't know i i love a fitted yet somehow frumpy garment yeah what did you what did you love about Times Square in the 80s? It's one of those things that, again, is a wild concept for me without a whole lot of direct cultural reference, because aside from just the cars that are driving through, because that's not really a thing in Times Square anymore. Yeah, there's that one shot when they're at the pizza place looking in the window where across there's a movie theater that is playing both Evil Dead and also some porn. Yep, which I I didn't realize that like once Disney came in and bought all that shit up. Yeah, no, Times Square used to be a hole until money really started getting poured into to the tourist but the commercial tourist potential yep this is kind of where we establish the clock for the movie she's only here for six days or until the next full moon and it's it's this weird sort of like nerd fantasy that again because it's not it, it doesn't lean into the whimsy of it enough yeah, not really it just feels kind of smarmy like oh you've consumed commercial tv to learn english and that is the primary structure of your vocabulary even to say that you're just here for six days to bone this dude yeah basically that's that kind of is what he thinks at this point so they go back to his place it's nighttime they're sleeping together like she's like yes no i absolutely want to stay with you i don't want to go to a hotel or whatever yeah and this is also right before that we get her actual or they make up her name which is madison oh yes she picks the name madison which I, my first reaction was because he says Madison is not a name. I was like, is this, is this the reason? And you pointed out that, yeah, like, because I grew up with so many Madisons. Yeah. This movie before this, it was like something like 250, like again, down wasn't the top in the charts. Yeah. On the name very list. low. After this movie, it was like up in the twenties. So there were a lot more Madisons. It's this so movie funny. spawned a lot of Madisons. For, Madisons. If you're yeah. listening, I'm sorry if this is, this movie is your namesake just because <laughs> it does not hold up, honey. I'm so yeah. sorry. So she's, they're sleeping. She decides she, she needs a, a, a wet moment. Yeah. She needs to stretch her fins. She goes and grabs the Epson. She grabs. No, no, she doesn't. That's, that's Morton's. So that oh, is, is that table Morton's? salt. That's table salt. Yes. <laughs> she grabs a little canister of table salt, starts up his gorgeous bathtub, pours the salt in. That bathtub fills immediately their water pressure in that building. <laughs> so yeah, she gets in the water and this is where she, we see that it, when she gets wet, a distinction is never made that it has to be salt water, which confused me later. I thought there was going to be an aha moment where it's because it's not salt water. She didn't change, but, but yeah, so she, she stretches out, she's got fins and she's just luxuriating in the tub. When she gets wet, she gets flippy. So Alan hears this commotion happening and then goes to the, to the bathroom door mm-hmm. and is like, are you okay? Like, Hey, can I come in? Cause he's 
obviously he slept with her so that she has and at no least privacy he now. asked at least he asked to come in first for sure which i realize is a plot device in this moment and not him giving her privacy privacy or agency yeah. because lest we forget consent can be revoked at any moment for sure she says no don't don't come in don't come in um she's trying to get out of the tub to get dry because that's apparently how she deactivates her flipper Right. Um, she's got, she's literally blow drying herself on the bathroom floor. Yeah. And uh, he busts through the door right as her legs turn back and she's just on the floor. And he's like, well, what happened? She's like, I was being shy. And this is where he lists all the places that they've fucked for the past right. 24 hours. But also she, she, she can do it. It's her body. She can do what she, she wants. Can, she can ask for privacy and she doesn't have to say, I felt shy. She could just say, I wanted a moment to myself. Just because we fucked doesn't mean you get to watch me poop. Exactly. So that's, that's not appropriate. That, that, that is her private time. She gets to do what she wants. We then cut back to Eugene who, yes. And we didn't mention this before, but Eugene had, he had gotten scuba gear, went underwater and then saw Oh, right. We did skip that. We did. He saw her underwater yeah. for a hot second because um, he's looking for a mermaid. I mean, that's basically what's happening. And he's he's kind of crazy. We no- don't get that. That's what he's looking for until he sees her, though. Right. He's just sort of like a researcher and it has something to do with the ocean. But you're absolutely right. We skipped right over that. So, yeah, yeah. he sees her and becomes fixated. He gets back on the boat and then one of them is reading a national Enquirer or something like that, whatever sort of newspaper. Yeah. The made up tabloid for the, for the movie. Exactly. Sees that there was a naked lady and at, at, at the statue of Liberty and then recognizes her. Right. And then heads to New York. We then cut back to Madison and Alan kind of courting a little bit. We're seeing a, you know, a bunch of little like small dates and things like that. Right. Um, he he starts recounting about you know the time when he was a boy and couldn't swim and that you and know. she says oh I remember. Do you like the sea? No. When I was about eight years old, I had this accident on a ship and. I remember. What? Uh, I can't. I forget the words. Um, what the? Uh, I understand. Yeah. Okay. Nice save, yeah. Madison. <laughs> And he glazes right over that because he doesn't care. For he sure. doesn't want to hear. He just wants to know <laughs> that she's going to keep putting out. Exactly. They end up at a uh, mermaid fountain that's somewhere in New York. I don't know if that actually exists in New York anywhere. Oh, anyway, it's not the Bethesda fountain. That's the only one that I can check. That's the one with the winged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, so you like that? You like, you like a lady with fish legs. And then he mentions that, you know, they're going to be demolishing it and putting in apartments there. And then she gets a little offended or, or, you know, whatever, which this is important later. Yes. <laughs> so Alan and Freddie are at a gym, which I was hoping that, Hey, maybe we're going to get some dude, but nope, we didn't. Nope. You get some um, old man nipple, but that's about it. And so they're going to play racquetball. Freddie is smoking while playing <sighs> racquetball and never mind. <laughs> Never mind the tragedy that is John Candy smoking and drinking a beer while exerting himself. Yes. Never mind the eventual tragedy there. If I were any of those people waiting for that racquetball court and someone was smoking inside, I'd be fucking pissed. Hundred percent. That room is going to smell like the slot machine area at the Vegas airport. <laughs> yep. 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 Like somebody was storing exhaled smoke inside of a tissue box. Like that's what that room <laughs> smells like. Well, they're talking about how she got there and how he's feeling about her. And this is, you know, he's sort of confiding in his brother in this moment For sure. and he's sort of trying to guess how she got, cause it's an immigration issue. How did she get here? And yeah. Cause he, he creates this elaborate story of how she 
weathered the storm for whatever, you know, for all intents and purposes. And then, you know, showed up and like, that right. was a, that wasn't a good enough explanation for him. The only thing not- I got out of this scene, honestly, is that Tom Hanks used to look good in short shorts. Yep. For sure. Super cute. <laughs> yeah. So cut to Cornbluth has showed up in New York and he's at the natural history museum and he's sort of trying to convince a room full of academics that he has seen a mermaid. And even in this shot there, there are people of color. It's not just white men academics. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Like I noticed that there, it was not just white people. And I felt a little bit better about how I was spending my time in this moment. Yeah. And yeah, he's essentially trying to convince this room like that. He saw a mermaid, which with no proof, like he doesn't have any proof right now. No. So managed to get the picture. So why would he go to them before getting it? Whatever. Back to their apartment. Yeah. She has a big present for him because he had given her a present. Yeah. A little music box that I think was supposed to come from Tiffany's. And I don't know if Tiffany's actually sells music boxes like that. So she's got gotten him a present and it's <laughs> the fountain, the mermaid fountain from the, the park. Full size mermaid fountain is now in, in his bedroom. Yeah. And here's the thing. I don't know much about New York. But I know that even in a building with an elevator, you're not getting that fountain through any of those doors. The logistics of getting that up into and plugging there. it in and it was still run, like it was running had, water. Right. It was fully functional sitcom logic. This is yeah. an I dream of genie moment almost pretty much. So basically they're falling in love. Yes. It's been two days at this point. Three days. Three? Yeah. You know, they're, they're still kind of gallivanting around New York and seeing all the sights and stuff like that. Cornbluth, right? Cornbluth. Cornbluth. He spots them and has two buckets of water. Yeah. His big plan is because nobody's going to help him that he's just going to get her wet because somehow he knows that that's what you have to do. Yeah. To make her a mermaid. I don't know where he got that information. From, there's again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of world building that does not happen here that would no. have brought that whimsy in. Exactly. So he, he starts, he grabs these buckets out of the back of his car and starts running down a, a crowded New York sidewalk, just sloshing water everywhere and just sees the, the blue dress that she was wearing right? and just keeps pursuing her until he gets to it. And then we see the shot of him throwing the buckets into the air and it splashes on a time traveling Colin Firth and Laura Dern. Pretty much. It's, it's somebody it's not them, but God, it looks just like the both of them. Oh my gosh. And this happens twice. <laughs> this, this joke of him, uh, uh, of him, like finding the wrong person and like the making same wrong these, people. Yeah, exactly. The same people. It's, it's nonsense. It's, it's a farce. Alan and Madison have not seen Cornbluth at all. No, like, this is so, so they have well, no Alan, Alan hasn't seen him since the beach and she hasn't seen him since she saw him underwater. Right. And she, they'd have no indication that this was going to be happening. So it's, it's just, it's kind of like almost it's again, they're, they're trying to add these really funny moments in, but like they don't do it enough or they don't go all the way with no. it. And then it, it just, it feels disjointed. So they go out for a fancy dinner. He's very nervous. He is very he's nervous. Like flapping he's like, that spoon around and, and he, like, he, yeah, he's fidgeting. And then the spoon, he like, hits it and this was like the end of the like it was like the end of the song or whatever that was that was happening at that moment right right, right. the scene change yeah and uh the the spoon like just barely misses this this couple that's like on the wall sitcom yeah it's buffoonery it is um they bring out these giant lobsters and she just starts tearing honking right into that like just like biting into the the shell and everything like that i mean i know it's not real lobster because you know this is a movie or whatever, right. but like they made it look so gross. 
They did. And I, it only made it worse because literally everyone in the restaurant started, started staring at her. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think maybe just because it was loud. I was just like, really? Everybody's just watching her eat now. She's really hungry. Yeah. And then he's just like, she's real hungry. And then he proceeds to propose to her in the most nonchalant way. Well, he's trying to hint at it because he thinks it's an immigration issue. And he's like, oh, I could hire you at the warehouse and sponsor your status. Or I wonder if there's anything else we could could get married. Right. Let's get married. And then. She doesn't really respond to it. They leave. They're in an ice skating rink twirling around. He now understanding that she he she didn't get the message is now more direct about right. will you marry me? This three days of sex has been so good that he wants to marry this woman he just met. Oh my god. And has realized that he didn't quite get the message across because again, she's only known English for three days. Yeah, exactly. And then uh so she who hasn't told him that she's a mermaid yet says no. And this is understandable. Yes. It's understandable because it's only been three days. Right. And he, even if the dick is that good, she's not, she's not here to put a ring on it. And at this point he just condemns her and doesn't just, just ignore he, her. He throws a tantrum. Yes. And it's, it's a public tantrum and it was very uncomfortable to watch. And she rightfully leaves. Yeah. Girl, bye. Like, no, never mind. Come back, bitch. Actions have consequences. Exactly. Take that T Hanks. Mm-hmm. You can't run off in those skates. They're rented. Yeah. Um, so it starts to rain because, you know, everybody's sad and we're at the lowest point of the second act. And then uh, did she get caught in the rain? I don't think so. I think that's the implication that she didn't. I think Got she it. left before that happened and then it started to rain. But at this point, she had walked out to the edge of the pier, yes. like, ed- edge of the water and was 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 contemplating jumping back in. You know, we get that 80s, 90s New York skyline. Yes. And uh, and it's. It gets really sad for a moment. And then immediately at the end of this little montage, they make up and everything's fine. And they're talking. She says, yes. Yeah. She immediately comes back and is just like, yes, never mind. Cause she had a moment of sort of like self-reflection and thinking about what she's throwing away as she stared off into the water. And it was kind of reminiscent of at the very beginning when he was staring at the water and sort of like was hypnotized into the yeah. sea. We get a, we get a lot of that sad Hanks and you know, yeah. and then she's like, yes, I changed my mind. And uh, they're talking about blood types and blood tests oh my and stuff. God. I didn't realize that you it, apparently in the eighties in New York, you needed to have a blood test or at least in to Manhattan get married, yeah. to get. Yeah. That's weird. No idea. Cause that he that even says Freddie always gets married in Maryland. He never has to do a blood test. How many times has Freddie been married? The implication is many times, many, many times. Cause he even yeah. mentions at one point that Alan mentions that Freddie brought a date to his own wedding. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know that he's just a stand up guy. Yeah. Um, so he, they're like, we're going to get in the car. We're just going to drive to Maryland and we're going to do this. So naturally they go to a dinner, a presidential, um, dinner. A, a presidential dinner. I, I don't know how they got this a couple times. I can't, I don't know. I don't know if we missed something. Why suddenly they're at a presidential dinner. Like the president of the United States is at this dinner and they are at a table at this dinner, which apparently is very expensive to get a table at this dinner. Right. Wait, I feel Why? like structurally they did it so that they could have the CIA moment with Cornbluth. Like, yeah, maybe that but was just none like, of this is, is funny enough to, to, for that payoff to actually work. So it seems like yeah. this is a film about the president's life being threatened all of a sudden a little bit in the, I mean, the president is smarmy and gross or whatever, but like the, 
Cornbluth. Cornbluth basically gets like this water pack. Like it's it's like two giant canisters that he straps to his back. Looks like Quasimodo. Yeah. Because he throws that jacket over it to sort of hide right. it. And you can see where he's like taken a safety pin to to like to hold the like right. red thing around him. It's, it, and there's these nonsense. plainclothes secret service agents. Right. They see him think that he has a gun and they were they react in the most low key manner I'd ever expect Secret Service to act in, well, which again, is that they a didn't, public address is happening and everybody's attention is on the president. But even that aside, they got him outside and were struggling with getting him into the car. This is a small man. You are two Secret Service agents right. and should be able to subdue this person into submission and yep. get him out of yep. that situation. And there's cops involved and the yeah. press are there and he wants to make a statement. And for some reason, uh, Madison chooses this moment. She doesn't know what's going on outside, but she's like, I want to tell you my secret right now, but we need to leave to do it. And it just so happens that everybody's leaving the building at the same time. And he sprays her with the hose and fish fingers, fish finger. Yeah. Her, her, her flipper is out for the world to see. And the world hates it. Alan starts to nope out. Like he's not yeah. down there trying to help her. He's just like, oh. no, he, like I he get being startled or scared, but if you really love her, yeah, right. Get it was, in there, it was gro- like he, he just, he, stood by why all of it, all of it was happening and didn't act. And at that point, if I were her, I'd be like, I don't need this man in my life at all. Exactly. Ever. But he doesn't know about, he gets arrested he gets captured. as well. Yeah. He gets captured by them. Cause I mean, if anything, they're observant. Yeah. Um, but now Tom Hanks is buck ass naked. Yeah. In, in a tank. Um, and apparently he's been in there for eight hours or 12. Something like it was 12, 12 hours, hours and he's not pruning one bit. My disbelief is no longer suspended. <laughs> something weird about eighties movies and uh, using a degree of magical realism or that are sort of like light fantasy, light sci-fi that counterpoint those discoveries with the fear of government intervention, which yeah. is also an eighties sitcom trope. Cause like when you think of Alf and Harry and the Hendersons, but like in film Indiana Jones and um, ET even it's just, it, they didn't do enough to make it pay off for this no. for me, or maybe it just doesn't hold up. Maybe it's just that they, they get in there. Hanks is still not really on board with any of it. Uh, she tries to come in and kiss him. She, he backs away. Um, Cause apparently she's forgiven him almost all like, I don't know. It was just, it feels really clunky and not sure. really believable. Well, she's her character is doing the heavy lifting of, I understand that this was going to be weird and I'm going to be forgiving of you. Yeah. Because your dick is amazing. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't really respond. Um, they pull him out of the tank because obviously after 12 hours, he hasn't turned into a mermaid. Um, and, uh, he's just sent home or, I mean, they drop him off at like, like a sort of black site. Like he's no, it's it's his home. He's just, he's just blindfolded from, from the, the basement of the history museum in Midtown, which is where this is to his apartment on the other side of mid or uh, on the, or no, I don't know New York geography, but my point is, is that it's mere miles away. So basically they've what? blindfolded him and, and driven around in circles on Manhattan maybe before dropping him off at his apartment. That's over by the UN. I don't exactly. understand. He then just proceeds to go back into work. He feels betrayed of all people. He feels betrayed. And this is where we get the scene of Freddie um, because he's been, he's like, you know, everybody falls in love, but me and Mary, 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 Mary. Yeah. And this is the moment where Freddie could have been redeemed as a character, but they did not give John candy a long enough monologue to do it in because he basically says, 
this is where the scene title to lucky guy He's like you are lucky. You have all of this that I, I'm never going to have that. Yeah, like everything that you say that everybody has. I know I'm not going to have and they just stopped it there as opposed to saying, you know, as opposed to giving him this self-aware moment of admitting yeah. that I am such a trash human being that the only way I feel like I can connect with people is by duping or whatever, whatever, whatever. Sure. But no, he's just like, I'll never be loved, which is sort of top level self-loathing. And honestly, maybe I'm asking for a 1984 comedy about a mermaid to do m- too much heavy lifting in yeah. the emotional department. Um, but I just, I was like, Oh, are we going to no? Okay. Right. Yes. Cause he's still got to be an asshole. Got it. Yeah. We got back to the, uh, um, where she's being held or Matt or Madison's being held. And, uh, uh, corn Bluth is now having second thoughts about the treatment of, Madison in this tank and her tail is already deteriorating, which doesn't make any sense. Is it maybe it's been like it, another day? Yeah. But like also, is it just because it's not salt water or something like that? I, like, don't know. I don't know. They never explain it. No. So he tries to assert himself to the, to the, to the other scientists there and the other scientists are, are basically just like, you know, you're, you're a trash scientist. Right. Not really anything. Um, so it, is it that, is it that Cornbluth meets with Alan Corn Bluth goes to the dentist yes. and is feeling so guilty that he tells his dentist not to use any painkiller because he deserves the pain or whatever, which is right. Whatever. And then Alan shows up after a dark and self-reflective moment in his apartment, staring at the fountain and you know, his bedroom smells like a pond now. Yes. Um, he sort of decides to, you know, to save her and somehow, and he finds out where his dentist is and that he has a dentist appointment that day. The and whole whatever. third act of this movie is, is, a result of sitcom logic that was set up in the first act, but not sustained through the second. Not at all. It's so weird. <laughs> and they have this kind of like slapsticky kerfuffle in this dentist's office. And, and Cornbluth ends up stabbing himself in the leg with the Novocaine. So now he's limping. Um, yep. But it all just seems so much weightier. And anyway, Alan's like, yeah, I've called every, every person employed by the government. Nobody can get in to see her. Well, I can. And so they dream up this plan. Yeah. Uh, a mermaid heist. And, it's a mermaid heist. And uh, uh, Freddie also joins them. Cornbluth is trying to pass off Alan and Freddie as some Swedish doctors. And the military policeman ha- says, oh, well, I, I know some Swedish and he speaks in fluent Swedish. Yeah. And they all just. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Then he gets suspicious. He's like, wait a minute. What are Swedish doctors doing so far away from Sweden? It's like you. They're here to see the mermaid asshole. What do you mean? John Candy then just replies back in Swedish. The only Swedish that he knows. Hi, babe. I have a 12 inch penis right. in, in Swedish. And the other guy's just like, oh, oh, oh perfect. Oh, I totally go, believe you now. Right and then whisk them away. And then they, um, they sweet talk another guard. And then they finally get into the tank and rescue Madison. M- Madison. Yeah. So at this point that I thought to myself, okay, well, he had been in the tank for 12 hours. So that was what day four presumably. Mm-hmm. And it's been another day. So maybe we're on day five. Yeah. Cause I guess to match with the movie clock, she'd have to be just about to run out of time Yeah, for it to be urgent because we know it's not urgent because it's not, they sent a large army contingent after them at the end. Yeah. So they, they end up like taking her out like, Oh, she got, he got acid on his face and Dr. Johansson bent down to examine her and suddenly these rays came right out of her eyes. Don't go in there, man. She'll melt your face right off. I just like this was going to happen. What should I do? What should I do? Huh? Oh, stop whining. Seal off the entire area. No, 
I called the Pentagon. Pentagon? Are you crazy? Do you want to create a national panic? I don't want to die. <laughs> Pull yourself together. Right. And then they very non-conspicuously run out of this museum with a body. This museum that has a military installation in the basement of it. Does the History Museum in New York have a military installation in the basement of it? I don't know. But it seems odd. So then we have another caper. We have a chase. A mermaid yeah. chase. Cornbluth and Alan and Madison are in the car. Freddie stayed behind to get arrested. Right. Um, yeah, they all like the, the the actual scientists come back in and he's just sitting on top of the tank with like a fishing pole or whatever, something like that. And with a giant cigar too. Where did that come from? Doesn't um, matter. But uh, this is this is the only redemption that Freddie gets is is letting himself get arrested. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this is the last time we see him as a character. Pretty much. They're on the run. Weaving through the streets, they they lose Being them chased at one by point. A Coast Guard copper copter and two trucks. That's yeah. it. Yeah, but the trucks are full of soldiers. <laughs> well, they like clown cars. They must be because yeah. by the time this, by the time they end up getting to the docks, yeah, and you know they're having this really gorgeous moment or whatever. But th- there's like fifty soldiers. Like, where were you boys hiding? Exactly. There's like one point where. They're on a street where like there's a cab that's just slightly out into the middle of the road. Yeah. Their car is able to get around it, but the big truck is not able to. So like they stop and the MP jumps out and is like, move your cab. And the cab's like, I'm waiting for a fare. And so all of the soldiers hop out and then just flip the cab onto its side and then all get back on the truck and go while the taxi driver is just like, oh, just another day in New York, whatever. Right? Madison and Alan are having uh, like a moment where she's like, I'm going to go. Are you going to come with me? Well, clearly she can't stay. Right. And he's like, you know, I, I, I'd love to live with you forever or whatever. She's like, you can't, you can come. Yeah. He's like, oh, and I could come back and visit Freddie on Christmas. She's like, no, no, you can't come back. And then he starts to hesitate. Right. It's like, but she literally was just about to give up her life for you. And you're going to give it up for your same? penthouse brother. Right. Yeah. Mm. She jumps into the water. All of the MPs are sort of swarming and, and all that stuff. There's a helicopter that's over the water. It looks like Madison may get captured by the helicopter. So yes. Alan jumps in. Well, but he doesn't sell the moment enough. He's just like, hey, leave her alone. Like, I don't feel like he Basically. has. He's exhibiting Tom Hanks doesn't sell it. Tom Hanks has sold me a lot on a lot in his career. He did not sell me on this. I don't believe that he is going through the sufficient anguish that he needs to change his worldview to give up his life to save hers. Yeah, but he does it anyway. He jumps into the water and swims out to her. Uh, divers start to like jump in the water and, and are like kind of surrounding them underneath the water. Not sure why they just don't swim down, but Hey, that's, you know, whatever um, they start having the slowest underwater fight I've ever seen. Well, I mean, all underwater fights are going to be slow, but there's no sense of danger. At there all. isn't. And Except then there's- for Alan biting one of the divers he just on the goes leg. right in for that dude's thigh. And it's just like, Oh, Alan, careful. Goodness. Violating <laughs> dinner first. Oh my gosh. Oh, and then they, they swim off. She gives him some like oxygen or like kisses him underwater. It's and the, then they explained it earlier. Like, you know, Oh, well, when you were with me, you weren't in danger underwater. Got it. And she like, she's ripped the masks off of these divers so that they can't breathe. Right. She grabs Alan and then they float off and, roll credits yeah that's the end of the movie but the opening part of the credits they're sort of exploring their new world yeah like they're going through a reef you see a bunch of fish and they're going back and forth and it's really it's really cute and then suddenly a nip slip yep there is a nip slip this is the nip slip that they didn't get out because and mind you 
normally we wouldn't do this in a movie because we're not these kind of people, but because of the controversy surrounding this and because I think I saw what I saw and it was there, there is an actual Yeah, nipple. We went back and looked and like, Oh, did they miss one? It was conspicuous because it was still there, but it would not have been conspicuous if they had all been there. Right. It kind of called itself out a little bit, but also if you're not really looking for it or if you, if you were just watching it, you probably wouldn't see it. It was literally two or three frames. Of, yeah. It was of super quick. The silhouette of a nipple. And right after that, they, they sort of swim up to this area that is a longer shot of a blurry and out of focused underwater city. Yeah. Roll credits. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And there's no explanation. Nope. Nothing whatsoever. Nope. And that's the movie. Yep. There was a sequel. There was a sequel. Because it feels like this is getting set up for a sequel. There is a sequel, but apparently the sequel was not great. Yeah. So the sequel was called Splash 2, Splash, comma, T-O-O. Yep. It was a made for TV movie that was released in 1998. Oh. Um, There was only one member. 88. 88. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 1988 is when it was released. Um, the only original member from the cast was Dodie. Dodie Goodman. She was the <laughs> only one that returned for it. And I mean, good for her. Like, um, but yeah, it was just, it was just such a, yeah. It, the sequel kind of retconned a couple of things that happened. In we the don't first need to one. go deep into the sequel, but, but all I'm I saying is, is that I'm it's mad not, that we went this deep into this. It's not good. No. As we said earlier, first film released by touchstone pictures, as much as it doesn't hold up and we didn't like it, it was made for 11 million and it made 69.8 million. This was yeah. a relatively critical success on rotten tomatoes. It's a 90% on, on uh, critics. Uh, Roger Ebert didn't like it because he felt like it was too sitcom. And I would actually kind of agree with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it yeah. was, if you could believe it, nominated for an Oscar for best original screenplay. Yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> so a remake for this movie has been in development since 2016 and Julian Bell and Channing Tatum are both reported to be attached. Except Channing Tatum is the mermaid. Oh my God. Sexualize the fuck out of him. 100%. Oh yes. I'm fine with this. Call me a hypocrite, but he has literally made a career out of making people want to touch his body. Yep. And I am here for it. I will see this version. <laughs> um, some other notes, a Daryl uh, or Daryl Hannah. Uh, she swam with that mermaid tail. Like it was a physical thing that she had on her. Yeah. And Cause she, she was learned, doing all those shots. Yeah. And she learned how to swim with it really fast. Like she was really good at it to good the point to where the, to the point to where the cameraman couldn't keep up with her. Hot damn. Yeah. So super, super cool there to top it all off. There were a long list of other actresses who were considered for the role and or who turned it down, including Tatum O'Neill, Michelle Pfeiffer, Julia Louis Dreyfus, <laughs> Melanie Griffith, Diane Lane, Sharon Stone. Oh, my God. And Kathleen Turner. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Can you imagine Jessica Rabbit as <laughs> Madison? Because that's who Kathleen Turner is. That Maybe been. not visually, but that's the voice. All right. So but that's. That's that's the movie that's Splash. That is that is Splash. Josh, would you recommend this movie? I feel like if I, if this were a bigger fixture from my childhood, I yeah. would have a stronger connection with it to to answer in the affirmative for that. Yeah, I can't recommend this movie. I mean, I like Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks's performances. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't like I it's was not like, any of their best movies. How about it, that? It's not. It's not. I don't have that sort of like vaseline on the lens of nostalgia 
yeah. that, that I can tap into like good feelings and memories of maybe watching this with my family or whatever. Cause just watching this, I just feel like, Ooh, this is kind of gross. This is kind of, it is a bit. So because this is on their touchstone label, I really do feel that like it really wasn't marketed towards children. So like we wouldn't have really had the opportunity to see this growing well, no, up. But like I said earlier, my parents watched shit like this all the time. Like rom-coms were de rigueur. My mom could only take so much Disney. As I said, I think on this podcast before I watched Mary Poppins so many times I was breaking umbrellas once a week trying <laughs> to fly with them as a child. My mom had to put me in front of something else. So I don't know. Clyde, what, 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 what do you think about splash? Oh, I don't. <sighs> You don't think about splash. I don't think about (laughs) splash. I think that's really what it is. There were, there were parts of it that yes, were funny. And then there were parts of it that were entertaining, but then there were a lot of parts that were just like super clunky or just kind of awkward. And I just really didn't, I didn't really like get immersed by it. I I would have, I would have liked it more if it had been a two season sitcom. Because it doesn't work as a rom-com to me, or or at the very least, it doesn't hold up. Again, this could just be... It doesn't work in a two-hour format, that's for sure. Again, I'm so sorry if we've shit all over your favorite Tom Hanks movie. (laughs) Truly, I am. But, I mean, to be fair, like, you know, they do a good job in this movie, and they they act well in this movie, and that's that's great. But, you know, it's... uh, it doesn't change the fact that it's it's just... It's a a little... The pacing and the editing is a little bit clunky. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And, you know, they don't follow through with the jokes. So, yeah. All righty. Before we let you go, we just want to remind you that there's a Patreon. Mischief Media has a Patreon with bonus content from all of its shows. Yep. Which we will start making content for that soon. So that, yeah, that'll we are be fun. We're on the hook. <laughs> yeah. But I'm actually, I'm really excited about it because we've had a lot of ideas that we've thrown about. Yeah. Hey, what if we did this on the podcast or whatever that really just didn't, we've got a lot to contribute there. So this is going to be super fun to do a lot of Patreon stuff. Yeah. One of those like entry levels get you access to the mischief media discord where you can like catch up with us. Yes. Um, and maybe we'll like, if we start getting some folks in there, we can ask them what they want to see in terms of content. Um, it's just another way for us to be able to interact and, and give you more cool stuff. And and you can get more stuff from all of our other shows like extraneous and Pottercast and jump scare. And in any of the other mischief media shows where we're all, all of us who are participating, we've got a regular calendar. So just sit back and, and wait and, let your 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 money help support what we're doing and get a little bit of extra bonus content off of it. Yeah. All of that and more is available on our Patreon community. And you can join too by going to patreon.com slash making mischief today. I'm excited. You excited? I am very, very excited. All right, Clancy, where can they find me? Uh, well, they can find you at Josh watching TV without the G on Twitter and Instagram. That's correct. And uh, if they so choose to find me, where would that be? at clincy that's c-l-n-c-y without the a on twitter and instagram and you can still find the show as nonplussed pod wherever you go we're on twitter we're on facebook we're on insta is that um we're still suggestions at nonpluspod.com if you want to send us an email yeah and uh keep an eye on twitter next friday the friday in between shows i think is when we decided we're going to start pushing what our next show will be so you've got a week to watch it if you want to watch beforehand Alrighty, that over there is Clancy. And that there is Josh. And we are nonplussed, a part of the Mischief Media Network. Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
th- th- so really at this point, Alan and, and uh, Meredith, what is her name? Madison. Madison. So at this point, Alan and, and oh my God, Madison, Madison <laughs> marker. So at the this, South seas club, <laughs> hold on, shut up. So at this Helen point, Helen Mirren, <laughs> I hate you so much. Madison, Samantha, 